You might have noticed something interesting happening on Long Island when beaches started opening for Memorial Day, which was that local officials started adding in lots of residency restrictions. County beaches, town beaches, village beaches, Nassau and Suffolk, residents only. Everyone else, stay away. One big, sometimes stated reason for this was that New York City had not fully opened its beaches for the summer. You can take a walk on Coney Island, but you can't swim. So Long Island politicians were afraid of hordes of city people coming out and making Long Island beaches too crowded during the pandemic, especially when capacity has to be limited and everyone needs to stay away from each other on the sand. There were a few really big beaches, however, that didn't have residency restrictions. The ones in the state park system, like Robert Moses State Park or Jones Beach. That's where city residents are allowed to go. What's sort of funny about this is that Jones Beach and other state havens were built or made accessible by Robert Moses, the infamous 20th century master builder who shaped New York State. Lots of New York City residents hate Moses these days, but if they want to swim legally for the start of summer 2020, they're probably going to have to rely on his handiwork. I'm Mark Chisano and this is episode 26 of Life Under Coronavirus, Newsday Opinion's oral history of the pandemic. You may remember Moses popping up in the news last year pre-pandemic because of a bill in the state assembly which would tiptoe towards renaming Robert Moses State Park. It came from Manhattan Assembly member Daniel O'Donnell, and the general vibe in New York City is pretty anti-Moses. Why don't people like Robert Moses these days? Part of it is how pro-car he was. Also, the fact that his vision of ordinary people, you know, included your ancestors and mine and, you know, Jews and Italians and Irish and working-class New Yorkers, but it didn't include African-Americans, as you know. That's Tom Campanella, a professor at Cornell and historian-in-residence for New York City Parks. I call Campanella a lot for regional history questions, and he's good on this question of why Robert Moses continues to be influential and controversial. The definitive case against Moses runs over a thousand pages in former Newsday reporter Robert Caro's famous book, The Power Broker, which you can now famously see on pretty much every New York TV reporter's home studio shelf as they work remotely. That book condemns Moses on lots of fronts, including racism. Moses, for example, said things like this. He didn't want his work to be sullied by, quote, that scum floating up from Puerto Rico. And Carroll's book charged that Moses built some parkway bridges uncommonly low to make beach access harder by bus, presumably to discourage non-car owners, often poor people or minorities. That charge has stood for a long time, and in 2017, our friend Campanella did a deep dive on it alone for a City Lab article, looking at bridge clearances elsewhere too. He notes that Moses did build some facilities accommodating to buses. Clearly, this was a complicated figure. But his verdict about the parkways and route to Jones Beach? But it right. does seem to be true that he, he, he ordered those bridges low so that buses in perpetuity could not make it out. But Campanella stresses that the other part of Moses was what he calls his Robin Hood period. This was the period when Moses was fighting really hard to build Jones Beach at all. And Carol's book covers this. It says that Jones Beach was a, quote, barren, deserted, windswept sandspit when Moses happened upon it in 1921. Moses fought to pave the way there to give city dwellers a place to swim. Here's another power broker quote. Moses, quote, looked at Jones Beach with eyes that had looked at crowded New York City and had seen a hundred ways of improving it. The passage goes on. Moreover, the people, the masses of New York City, were amazingly close. Jones Beach had seemed so cut off from the world, but, he realized with the start, when he stood on its western end, he was less than 25 miles from Times Square. And then Long Island, you know, 
you know the famous story. I mean, he, that was Moses's Robin Hood phase, where you know the, there there was oh my. I remember my grandfather telling me this. There, there were almost no beaches you could go to on Long Island. You know, um, right? Especially in eastern Long Island, but but the Suffolk, the Nassau County towns were pretty bad themselves too. They were very white. And they weren't white ethnic white, you know. They were white Anglo-Saxon Protestant white, and and they didn't like New York City people coming out. Um, and you know, bus or car or whatever, train, they just didn't want them. And um, there was really nowhere to go. Even then, there were people on Long Island who didn't want to share their beaches with people from the city. And that's right. playing out. In, you're right in a curious uh, way today, because uh, as you said, as you pointed out. It's the state parks, the state beaches that are open now. I tried my idea with Campanella, the irony of Moses' beaches being the accessible ones to city people now. Moses' vision of, of you know, opening things for all uh, is, is, is sort of uh, holding true right now. Campanella stressed the important caveats to Moses' beaches for all, his beaches for ordinary people. Again, that was definitely not true for all city residents, like non-white ones. But I went back through Caro's book for this episode, looking at the sections on Jones Beach. Moses liked the idea of the public more than the actual flesh-and-blood people, but some of what he did continues to help people get to the beach today. In 1926, Caro writes, Public bathing beaches in America fell into one of two classifications, ill-equipped huddles of shabby, unpainted wooden bathhouses that contains nothing but toilets, showers, and lockers, or boardwalk beaches, such as Coney Island and Atlantic City. People who could get there clearly liked what Moses did on Jones Beach. Attendance at the park topped 325,000 in the first month, Carroll reports. Millions followed. I figured I'd at least try to try my Jones Beach irony idea with Carroll himself. Caro is deep in his fifth volume on Lyndon Johnson now, and I figured I'd leave a message on the landline our news librarian tracked down and leave it at that. But he picked up. Cue me scrambling to go to speakerphone and record. To be totally honest, I don't think Caro loved this idea, or maybe he wasn't thrilled to be disturbed. He said Moses wasn't giving all city people access to the beach. He said it was more like middle-class people who had cars. But he did say that Moses did indeed fight against Long Island power brokers who didn't want city visitors. He was trying to create, he was trying to uh, give uh, the middle class access to beaches which previously had been all controlled either privately by the robber barons on the North Shore or by the townships out here who uh, had refused to let, you know, were reluctant to let the city... uh, Then Caro said he had to go right. Some people, unlike me, have other interests other than the beach. Thanks for listening to Life Under Coronavirus. If you know of someone we should be covering, or if you want to share your own experience about coronavirus in New York, leave us a voicemail with your name and phone number at 631-213-1543. That's 631-213-1543. We may use your message as the basis for a future episode. Once again, I'm Mark Chisano from Newsday Opinion. Amanda Facina is our producer. Stay healthy. See you next time.